Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, the impeachment of someone who is no longer in office marches on. And I have a theory as to what it's all about, but why don't you, Binkley, give us some of the nitty-gritty of what happened. All right, I can tell you about impeachment day two. It was much of what we saw from impeachment day one, which was disconnected videos and images strung together into a story of violent insurrection by the narration of today or yesterday by the narration of impeachment manager, Representative Stacy Plaskett, a Democrat from the Virgin Islands. To kind of give you an idea of what they're doing here, in college, I studied journalism along with economics. In one of my journalism classes, we were given footage, 10 hours of footage from a British soap opera that was one of the most wholesome things you've ever seen in your life. And our assignment was to turn that two hours into a 10-minute movie with the purpose being to learn how to use the editing equipment and to learn to structure a story and narrative for the purpose of journalism. And here's what we did. This two hours of footage, we took it. It was me and three girls in my group, and we turned two hours of wholesome British British soap opera into 10 minutes of softcore porn by stringing clips out of context together using innuendo and adding the appropriate music. So we got an A, by the way, because no way. Yeah, we did. You should have gotten an F. No, we got an A. The job was to tell tell a story. Oh, but not tell the story. Yes, not tell the story. The job was to tell a story with the footage we were given. But I mean, they should have pointed out that it bore nothing to do with the whole body of evidence. Well, journalism these days teach advocacy. Like, old school journalism would teach... that's what law school was like. Yeah, they they teach that judges should be policymakers. It was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And what we did in that class is what's going on here. The stringing together of things that are disconnected into this narrative that's spun to push this agenda and... Maybe they're getting an A plus, but they have some interesting use of technology. I'm going to tell you what I saw in the evidence. This is the evidence they're presenting in the form of these videos. And they added to the video. So we have the narration from the person speaking along with the video on screen. But they also added these virtual tracking dots. If you've ever played Red Dead Redemption or any online game and you want to know where the guys that are hunting you or the guys that you are hunting are, you look at the little the little red dots. And as you get closer to the green dot, then you know you're getting closer to the enemy. They put these dots on there to show how close the insurrectionists were getting, because the insurrectionists were in red, uh, and to the politicians that were in green, to heighten this intensity of, look how close they're getting, they're in danger, they're escaping with their lives. We have no idea if that's actually true, how, how close they were getting, but it added this extra level of theatrics to the presentation. But here's the evidence they presented, or what I saw in the evidence. There was no bird's eye view shots. I saw no bird's eye view shots. Most of the footage we saw was from the helmet of a GoPro. So people moving around in GoPro style fashion. It looked like a film set. To me, honestly, it looked like a bunch of extras running around in a film set. They were told to go wild. I've seen that happen before. And this reminded me of that. Maybe that's not what it was. That's the feel that I got from it. And I want to know where these GoPro film edited shots came from also, 
did they have somebody in there that they got it from or did they confiscate that footage from quote insurrectionist Two, nobody had guns nobody on the trump side or quote trump side had guns that came in there so people had baseball bats and were carrying other things like flags selfie sticks yeah selfie sticks everybody had a phone everybody was filming so we could continue to see footage come out if they continue to confiscate it or if people just give the footage over number three she would present stuff she would say something like this in this next video. It's very disturbing clip and it's harrowing. And I'm going to show you a bunch of the insurrectionists attacking police officers as they storm the barrier outside the Capitol, violently storm the barrier. So she presents this image of fighting and then she shows you a video of people not actually fighting. But because she's primed the audience to see this, when you look at it, what you actually see, if you actually stop the video and watch it again, you just see a bunch of people carrying a fence, doing this push-pull thing with a couple of police officers, carrying a fence, just screaming wildly, but not actually fighting. It looks like a... Uh, a play fight is what it looks like to me. And then at one point during this play fight of, quote, as they're storming through the barriers, the barriers were about two feet high. You could easily step over them. One of the police officers fell down, and this was in the corner of the frame. If you're distracted by the, the screaming, which is covering most of the frame, you missed this. I had to watch it a couple times. But one of the police officers fell on the right, and immediately the quote, insurrectionists dropped the fence they were carrying, stepped over the fence, the barrier, and helped the police officer up, made sure they were okay, and then the officer and all these people walked up the steps together calmly. And then as this little fight scene ended, everybody, including the officers, appeared to me to all just together walk up into this empty field approaching the Capitol. Very suspicious. They, they, All the ideas that people are violently beating each other come from the narrator and aren't actually actually present in the videos that I have seen anyway thus far. It's they're relying on psychological projection through priming. And then one of my favorite pieces of evidence that they they presented was it, this was for the purpose to show Mike Pence was under threat. And she described how Mike Pence was hurried out of that room quickly. And to show the evidence of that, she cut to, she goes, now here's a clip. And then she goes to a clip of Chuck Todd on MSNBC describing what, or, or giving his opinion on Mike Pence having just left the room. So she doesn't actually show Mike Pence being hurried out of the room. As evidence, she shows Chuck Todd giving commentary on it. This is the evidence, the type of evidence that is being presented. A couple of things about that. First of all, my impression before I even heard you describe it, I was just listening to the coverage on the radio. Like I like to listen to the highlights and headlines and stuff, not just like I don't unless some time has passed and I can fast forward or do it on two times speed on YouTube. I just don't have the time to absorb it all. But my feeling was since they're doing an impeachment trial on someone who is no longer in office, the entire point was to put a narrative of the insurrection in the record. And the way you're describing it yes. is that they it, the video itself, if you if you ever look at congressional records, maybe nowadays they have ways of having multimedia. But for the most part, and the first time I saw this was the Joe McCarthy trial, that they would submit a picture. And what they described was not in the picture. But that is what ended up in the record. And that sounds like what what you're talking about. That's what here. it feels like to me is that they're creating the historical record. Ab absolutely. So uh, there is a. So there's a lot of continued kind of noise about the Q stuff I noticed. And this I want to get to later in this in the show. I want to talk about this secondary trauma or compassion fatigue. Maybe we skip to it. I don't know. But I think 
let's let's talk about it now. Okay. What? Because because there's there's something about I, I so we've been talking about how the story of say for example Brian Sicknick who was the cop who was originally reported as being killed by a fire extinguisher or later the impact of the fire extinguisher and then it ends up it was a stroke and they can't find video of the fire extinguisher and i'm wondering yeah. if they actually said that he was not hit by a fire extinguisher okay. that's investigators have said that now despite Lace. all the okay. reporting that he was so now i'm thinking and i you know we can speculate about this a little bit but what i'm thinking is that there, that this is going to fold into what I noticed about the two other capital um, law enforcement who died as a result of the riot. They died of suicide, and there's been a lot of talk about that kind of trauma. And since I started talking about this, people have been sending me some stuff that obviously this is emerging, and they've been tweeting at me. One is called secondary trauma is becoming a big thing. Compassion fatigue is becoming a big thing. And I have my theories as to why that's happening. I find that interesting because that, to me, starts to draw up thoughts of if you say something, say you tweet about election fraud or you say something about believing in election fraud because they've associated this with all these bad, evil things that you could cause Quote, somebody could say you cause psychological damage to them and therefore you should be prosecuted or, or questioned simply by talking about that. It seems like another way to get people. And and I think that what what this is going to play into is secondary trauma kind of reminds me of secondary secondhand smoke in that if you are if you they want red flag laws, they want to take people down. Um, just by suggesting there's a mental problem because people who people can lose their liberties at the suggestion of a mental problem much more easily than being accused of a crime, which will require a conviction from a jury of the peers. So I object to that. I always have. But this makes that net even broader. So like secondhand smoke is where smoke affects people who don't smoke. You can get a smoking related illness from not smoking. This is secondary trauma. So if you witness a trauma, that is enough to be traumatic. And this goes back to the very first time I mentioned that I saw this theme emerging, which was the there was FBI's FBI guys shot and killed in Florida. And every story referred to the 1986 case of two FBI guys shot in Florida by two guys who were not criminals prior to their bank robbery, but were special forces guys. And an article I read at that time. A contemporary article was that those guys should be presumed to have had PTSD because they were in the service. And that and one of the things that came out of that event was to address these kinds of um, emotional issues for agents. And I wondered immediately if that's where this was headed. And it seems like it it is it is. It, it is leading to what I'm going to call presumptive PTSD. So instead of right now, like in New York City, basically no one gets a handgun license unless you're former LEO, former law enforcement. And and I've noticed with these red flag laws, they have been trying to get especially former military vets uh, kind of red flagged all over the place. They've always been raising the bar, raising the alarm that these guys shouldn't be the ones with guns. So I feel like this may be a way to disarm um, the military and cops and stuff who have left the military or the police force. To me, that goes with what they're doing right now with this whole the stand down order that they have throughout the military that we talked about earlier this week or last week, the 60 day 
for the purpose of rooting out white supremacy and extremism in the military ranks. They've been had a follow up story about that, saying that it's proven difficult to identify who is an extremist and who isn't. Just because, one, they don't have a definition, really, that's clear enough of it. Two, the standards that they have, they're thinking about expanding. Like, you're not allowed to actively engage in extremist activity if you're in the military, but you're allowed to be a member of a group that they might claim is extremist. Like, Proud Boys is the example that they use. So, they want to expand the level of invasiveness that they can do to research people, like social media accounts and stuff of people in the military. To me, it makes me wonder who's going to be left in the military. Who's going to join the military if they're targeting people, if they're calling right wingers extreme? Right wingers, I think, tend to be people who join the military more. I think it could shrink shrink the ranks of the military. And I think that the real it isn't Proud Boys, which was started by Gavin McGinnis, who has a very kind of sketchy backstory, in my opinion. I know people don't like to hear that, but that is my opinion. And uh, that what they're really after are people who who would sympathize with the founding sentiment of the Oath Keepers. So that is people in uniform who are committed to upholding their oath to the Constitution over their um, their chain of command kind of thing. And you don't want that you don't want mutiny and stuff you don't want on the edge for them to on the borderline for them to question that but if there is a clearly unconstitutional uh, directive these guys are saying they won't follow that and that's the real threat that same feel came from an article i read yesterday about that stand down order in the military they do not want people in the ranks who question what they tell them and i think yeah that's, that's I, I believe that and that would be fine if it were basically fine, you know, basically all right. But they've been trying to to attack, quote, whistleblowers or whatever insider threats. These are people who tell when they see something wrong. And the stuff I've been reading from the 80s and the 90s, there were still uh, a lot of good people who were blowing the whistle on the handful of bad people. But I think over time, the bad stuff has really gotten a complete handle on all that stuff. And as the media becomes more, it's really about the media getting totally suborned. I don't know if that's the right word, but the media has been totally captured by the government. So a whistleblower really doesn't have a fighting chance. You're not have the kind of exposés uh, that you used to have. Yeah. There was a fact check. On Snow, not a fact check. There was an article on Snopes about creationism that relates to some of that. And the whole purpose of the article is it says that creationism bears the hallmarks of a conspiracy theory. And then they go into QAnon and the attacks on the building and they link QAnon to creationism. And then they link anybody who believes in the theory of evolution as to creationism and to being dangerous and to being the type of people that need to be stopped. And anti-science people that are dangerous to this country is the feel of that entire article. And they really are going after Christians as well. Which is funny to me because I actually think Darwinism is anti-math. The idea that a random single mutation could lead one by one to uh, complex organisms with entire systems that depend on many alleles it's just it defies math. And that that's why I remember Scully said in X-Files when 
when Mulder said that he believed in intelligent life on other planets, that it was anti-Darwinian because the Darwinian principle is really that it's it's almost mathematically impossible. But uh, I will tell you what I think maybe isn't mathematically impossible, but is highly unlikely that and this keeps coming up in the in the news as this GameStop stuff. And Bitcoin, I feel like those those things are coming together with the World Economic Forum stuff that you've been following. So so let me first of all, if to the extent we were originally talking about um, the Pentagon having this huge uh, contract that Amazon was totally slated for and Trump um, because he hates Amazon, gave it to Microsoft or something like that. That was basically a, the idea. And then when Amazon, when Bezos handed it over to the to the cloud guy, I thought Pentagon is going to give them their their thing after all. And I just read a news story today that even though the Pentagon had already awarded the the entire ten billion dollars to Microsoft, it looks like they may back down. And I just feel like Amazon is going to be the evil empire. Is an even evil empire. And when we were talking to Tim Pachot the other day which we're going to publish tomorrow in the feed. He was saying how he was, I guess, Libra, the Facebook crypto wasn't, didn't really work out. And I thought, why didn't Amazon do the crypto? You know, Amazon's the natural because that that's a commerce site. So I saw that Amazon just since we put that in the can, just in the past 24 hours, Amazon announced that they're going to launch a crypto project in Mexico And I just I thought that was funny because at the same time, somebody tweeted at me that MasterCard said they are going to start partnering. They they were no longer doing Libra with Facebook, but they were going to start partnering with some crypto. And I feel like since MasterCard is one of the backbones of the World Economic Forum's fascist oligarchy, that that there is something to this Bitcoin thing. Yeah, there seems to be it seems to be they're they're jumping in. It seems to be, and I was trying to figure out why. And here's what I think, because over the past couple of days, we saw, I saw that MasterCard story. Yesterday, I tweeted, like, Twitter and Bitcoin have both jumped the shark because Twitter is now going to accept Bitcoin or promote it. I don't, I never paid Bit- Twitter anything, so I don't know what exactly they're saying. But Apple said they were considering putting $5 billion, investing $5 billion in Bitcoin. Musk signaled that he was interested. Of course, all those signals do is run up the price. Like that is never what you would do. You'd actually try to hide that you were the guy, that smart money was after these positions. Like you would never do it like that. But they are doing it. And I tried to figure out why. And my thinking is that they uh, want to do one of two things. They either want like what MasterCard said expressly they expect from a crypto partner is stability, uh, regulatory compliance, which implies regulations and consumer protections. Now, stability is not the same thing, I think, as scarcity or finite value, which is the only thing that really, I think, gives Bitcoin its value. But so that's just that implies. And they said they're also partnering with governments or central banks that have launched crypto. So I think this is all marched towards DigiDollars that uh, maybe they're going to try to collapse Bitcoin or merge it with the DigiDollar. I don't really know. But there's also the possibility, and this would speak to the GameStop thing, which is they they want to get they're pumping this stuff up, getting all the kind of, quote, dumb money in like the individual investor used to be like half of the market was pension funds, which means that your money was the smart money. 
Then they moved it to 401ks. And of course, I like freedom. I like choice, whatever. But I've lost a fair amount because I really don't have the time to focus on that stuff the way a pension fund manager would. So I consider the 401k money dumb money. And I know a lot of people who, as the market is hitting bottom and they're already retired, they're like, I can live on half the money I had before, but I can't live on 30% of the money. So I have to, I have to sell now. And so the dumb money sells at the bottom. They just cannot keep their seats. So the more, so when Kramer said, oh, GameStop, the little guy won, but as you dig deeper, you see that a lot of the big guys won in the GameStop thing. Maybe they were even behind it. I saw the guy uh, who the big short was about. He said that he actually identified that there was a big short in GameStop, which kind of started the ball rolling, according to the article I read. And then he came out and said this. I'm sorry. I had anything to do with this. This just calls out for legal and rec- regulatory repercussions. So they're definitely calling out for that kind of thing. But when Kramer said, hey, this, the, the little guy won. I think this is a call to get the dumb money in. And uh, and I'm not saying Bitcoin. I don't know anything about Bitcoin. It may have it may go to 10 times of what it is. I'm just saying what I think these guys are looking for, that they want um, a lot of action and then they might control it because the way uh, guys with a with a lot of firepower can do stuff like this, especially if they get signals from the powers that be regulatory powers, they can sell at the top. Um, wait for the crash or even prompt the crash and then buy at the bottom. And that is how you just completely reset time after time the dumb money or the little guy that it seems like a big, uh, a big ball of wax here, all connected and moving in the same direction. I notice here that last year in 2020, the World Economic Forum put together a consor- consortium, consortium made up of public and private sector leaders to write guidelines for cryptocurrency governance. So I'll have to pull on that thread and see what that's all about later. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I actually found, and I'm, and I know this is straight out of the Great Reset, another article that I think folds into the same principle, which is Biden said he wants to shut down or move away ratings towards a system that basically weighs the same stuff, but includes racial equity. And for me, what that goes is the subprime mortgage crisis. There were Carter or Clinton initiatives that tried to get uh, better terms for or easier lending to people of color, minority communities. And what happened was because it wasn't strictly a math problem, you got people over leveraged who couldn't afford it. So when the crash came, they lost their homes. And in 2008, what happened was a lot of people lost their homes. And then there were big, big companies. I saw this big investors going in to rental markets, buying up uh, residential places and renting them out. And I mean, we rent our home now. It's like the craziest thing because we lost kind of all of our equity. So when we moved, we couldn't like take equity out. We just had enough to pay our loan back. And, um, you know, we'll be fine. But like, that's a weird, you know, that was a function of us having bought a house in like at the absolute peak of the market. And then the bottom falling out. And what I think is, you know, I'm, I've moved from maybe they do care about people of color and they're just socialists and they get it wrong. And then I started moving like they're just exploiting people of color for political purposes. Now, I actually think this may be a kind of neo-colonial thing where uh, a racist neo-colonial thing where they're continuing to exploit and um, uh 
deceive and and it's a moral hazard that's what it's called they're creating moral hazards by lowering standards for lending for people of color because by perforce i think they will end up uh going bankrupt and losing everything because they'll be over leveraged and then you have then the, that's the dumb money again and then you've got people who know it's coming in a position to benefit yeah, they're setting them up to fail so the problem persists so that they can claim that they're going to step in and help save them from the very problem that they created. That is also straight out of the Great Reset in the World Economic Forum. That is one of the metrics, the equity metric, and Biden is falling in lockstep with that. Before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, which is going to be about how Google is educating the public, putting that ahead of being a search engine in their effort to push the 2030 agenda. I want to tell you a little bit about what's going to be in the patron 15, which is the changing definition of vaccinations. Is it really gene therapy? And RFK gets canceled. And also want to go ahead and give a big thanks to our sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com. Handcrafted, quality, full-spectrum CBD products sourced from the highest grade hemp from around the world. They have top quality products, but they also have personalized customer service. It will help you understand CBD in ways that you never have before. My personal favorite, I always talk about it, is the Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract. Smells great, feels great, smells great, and feels so great that my friend actually stole mine because she loved it so much. Check that out and also check out their cool t-shirts that I love and their brownies are also delicious as well. That's True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com. And I want to encourage you all to also consider becoming a patron if you're not one yet. This is how we support the show, how we keep it going, and we offer it variety of tiers six to be exact with every higher tier that we have at patreon.com slash propaganda report it all comes with an, another layer of live interactive events with monica and i as well as the other patrons in your tier we have our first friday disappearing patron parties our vip disappearing patron parties our patron saint zoom parties we have live on-air shout outs we have promotions and sponsorship opportunities to share your products and service with like-minded audience and propaganda report listeners some tiers even have propaganda report swag come with them if you become a patron saint today we will send you and by we i mean monica will send you (laughs) a propaganda report mug or t-shirt of your choice so check us out at patreon.com slash propaganda report and if you don't have time for the extra content do us a favor and leave us a review and comment on itunes at the propaganda report so check us out at propreport.com and now on to our final story of the day if you go to google they have these little interactive things that they do on google and usually they have some sort of social justice or propaganda message usually they're also in the center but today and last week i noticed that they've started adding and this is at google.com not just when you open your browser they've started adding these little things at the bottom of the google browser and the one that was on there today and yesterday was a little green leaf that said carbon neutral since 2007. So I clicked on it and it took me to a page titled carbon neutral since 2007. And then it said, and staying carbon free or carbon free by 2030. And then it just lays out the entire 2030 agenda, the goals and Google's role in it and how Google is helping lead the way in the 2030 agenda. A similar vein, they did this last week with education where they put a little education thing at the bottom. You click on that and it takes you to this portal of Google education where it teaches kids how to spot disinformation, what sources to trust. This is pure propaganda, pure public education that Google is using to mind control the public. 
It's interesting that you bring that into the education realm because a couple of things that I noticed, first of all, I was, I've been telling you for the longest time that, that these schools all focus on uh, authenticating internet information by a an appeal to authority. That's it. There's nothing yeah. more to it. So if they're educating kids on disinformation, they're saying, trust our top search choices. I bet you anything that's what they say, that we actually absolutely craft our choices. And then the other thing is uh, that my kids now go to school out here, um, private school, and they're required to do volunteer activity, which I like. And my son does the sweetest thing. It's extremely nerve wracking. There's a charity like a rescue for pit bulls who are on death row, like who are going to get euthanized. A lot of them used to be fighters and stuff and they're hurt. And um, so they rescue them from death row and he goes and tries to like rehabilitate them. Oh, that's cool. It's the coolest thing. He's really excited about it. But when he was trying to put the volunteer, he was filling out his volunteer forms you have it clicks you through to the sustainable goals of 2030 and he has to he has to uh, do something that supports those goals and i assume i mean i didn't look at it but i would assume that animal welfare is something that he could he should be able to do it's such a worthy cause but i was i was surprised at that because it would actually i think it clicked through to the un site and you would think like a fancy private school would have its own protocols but they they really don't they are they're definitely get get the memo and sign up for it so this is for sure a uh, a world um, initiative that is absolutely infiltrating all of the institutions that your kids interact with. It's like Cobra. And it's a great in the school. comics. Yeah. Huh? It's just, it's, it, its hand is just injecting itself all around the world. It's spreading like a virus and around the world. This is that kind of so, the soft power thing that they're talking about. Soft power really is a deception. Soft power is where they, uh, they influence to the point of, determining outcomes without people knowing it starts with the crisis of democracy, which was a Brzezinski book. And you can see how he talks about that. It's almost like the sixties, the protests and everything, because the CIA was behind a lot of that stuff from weaponizing Cointel pro to Gloria Steinem working for them and, and, and promoting anti-war protests. And, and now I see those things unfolding in that, that prompted Brzezinski to get a worldwide collaboration going for the Trilateral Commission about which he titled the crisis of democracy. And he answered the question in the end to the objection of the lot of a lot of the collaborators that the answer was to make sure that everybody was kind of co-opted by an institution that was not democratic. And that's what we're seeing here. And and you're not aware of it because you never get to vote. And th- this school is a great school. Like, it's super liberal. I, I'm not I, I don't agree with the politics, but the but they do teach these kids. And that is, that was the thing that John Taylor Gatto said, like the really good schools teach the kids what like really still teach them well. Whereas the public schools where my son who has Down syndrome goes, they do not teach the children. Yeah. well, And that is, instills the hierarchy right there. Yeah, one teaches to follow orders, the other teaches to lead. 
One more thing about the Google thing with kids being at home in this virtual environment and not going to school. What's the first thing they do? They open up their browser. Most people have Google such as their homepage. And what does Google have? These very animated, like clickable things that attract my attention, definitely attract kids attentions, kids clicking on them, propaganda straight into their mind. It's it's devious. They're there with that mindset, which matters so much of getting true information. Mm-hmm. So when they click on that, they trust or, or I bet the schools tell them to trust it. They presented it as the Wild West of the Internet and all these dangers here. Google, we're going to walk you through how to be safe. And I wouldn't be surprised if the CNN 10 is going to have a collaboration <sighs> with Google. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Right. So but I always love to lead on a leave on a on a happy note, which is couple of things. I got a big shout out. I've been saving this. This is from the great Cat Duckness. She says, she's a longtime patron saint. So I actually gave her a shout out as being a big supporter yesterday. She says, Lupercalia, Valentine, Lupercalia, 20, the, uh, February 13th to the 15th. It's an old Roman festival. God, this is impossible for me to read because I copied it wrong it's a ritual where some matchmaking happened when a man slung goat's blood on their maiden of choice uh roman soldiers were not allowed to marry because a family is not conducive to a warring man so valentine it must be lupercalia because i think valentine was a saint um that's why she included lupercalia so valentine married them on the sly valentine's day isn't a hallmark holiday so it's okay to say i love you or even just happy valentine's day sorry cat duckness i didn't do a very good job delivering your fantastic shout out but i did look up lupercalia so maybe i'll do a better job of reading my notes because he she stimulated me to further research lupercalia was an ancient possibly pre-roman pastoral annual festival observed in the city of rome from the 13th to the 15th of february to avert evil spirits and purify the city releasing health and fertility so there's a lot to valentine's day enjoy your health and fertility on valentine's day and uh, i did want to also thank our many great patrons, our latest patron, Karen. Thanks for becoming a patron. And some of our top patrons, I actually have a couple of celebrities in this in this crowd. Howie, who people know from Lions of Liberty, top patron. Leah, who made you the gas mask out of a gourd. I love that gas mask. <laughs> it was a, actually a black plague mask. So people might know her from the Neighbors Meetup. Uh, Childerberg. Big supporter and Curtis, who's been with us since probably the beginning. So a big shout out to all y'all and thank you very much for your support. We have a long weekend because my kids have off on Monday and when they have off, I'm otherwise occupied. But I have teed up so much material. So we did the, t- the Tim, the, our longest interview tomorrow is going to be in the DNB. Uh, we're going to do the patron Q&A, which is going to be a long one. And on Monday, I think we're going to put the Chrissy Mayer uh, uh, interview or where she actually is swap cast in the DNB and then a bunch of stuff in the patron 15 that you're not going to find anywhere else. And some stuff that you could find elsewhere if you look real hard, but we'll put it in the feed for you. And uh, so have a great Valentine's Day and a fantastic long weekend and on to the patron 15. All right. You guys can find 
Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you do want access to that extra content that we talked about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron. You can also check out our video deep dive podcast at rockfin.com propaganda report. We will talk to you guys next week or in the patron 15. Have a fantastic weekend.